0: We want to begin a study of one of the Old Testament books this morning. And I guess we would say there are some words that have been around for a period of time, but yet profitable for us in our lives. Would you feel free to go to the Lord with the following prayer? How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? I cry out to you, Lord. I'm weary and my circumstances don't change. Why? Why do you let others hurt me? The government continues to take while politicians get special treatment. I study much and get average grades, but some in my class cheat and do well, but never get caught. I walk with you, Lord, but my mate continues to be self-centered. I continue to rejoice in my trials and seek deliverance, but my pain increases. Why no relief, Lord? I reach out to people, but feel so alone since few reach back. Where are you, Lord, in the deaths of millions of babies in our country? Why don't you act, Lord? Do we have the freedom to lament God? Complain to God in that way? Today we want to begin to look at an Old Testament prophet called Habakkuk. Some people might say Habakkuk, but Habakkuk, and keep in mind as we reflect on, <clears throat> excuse me, some Old Testament prophets, that Paul states that Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Second Peter talks about the fact that we have the words of the prophets. You know, they're made sure because the Holy Spirit was involved. James 1 talks about the fact that, you know, we need to obey Scripture, you know, if we're going to be blessed. And as we think about Old Testament Scripture, don't merely view the Old Testament as a series of stories of people about Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, Lot, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Israel, the Promised Land, King David, and so on. Yes, there are stories involved there, But God is progressively pursuing people and progressively revealing himself as we think about the Old Testament. And I think that is central. And also, as you think about the Old Testament or any book in the New Testament, historical setting is important for correct interpretation. Now, suppose you have a pacemaker and you're in the hospital... And the doctor says, we're going to do an MRI. And you think, I have a pacemaker. And you say, doctor, do you realize I have a pacemaker? My daughter tells me, possibly that could be sucked right out of your body if you had an MRI. It's good for the doctor to know a little background before he prescribes a test. As we study scripture, the same is true. How many of you will go to the bank and ask for a mortgage in the bank? say, so sure, right on the spot without doing any credit check or anything else, we'll loan you $150,000. They want to do a little background checking. How many of you are willing to go to buy a used car, glance at it for about five seconds and say, sure, I'll take it? You want to do a little checking the car over. What is it like? We devote time in our daily lives to history before we act. And as we think about Scripture, the same is true. What is the background of a passage that, or a book that we are considering. To illustrate that, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul talks about the fact that <clears throat> my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And many times people just quote that. Well, God promises to supply all my needs. So does that mean that I can go out and take a mortgage, and can buy a car, and I can charge my credit cards, and say, God is going to supply my needs. Well, if you look at the background, Paul is writing to a group of believers that had a love for him. They had a love for God, and they were giving to him financially, and they sent a man to be working with Paul. And it's in the context of a loving people who love God, who are giving financially, he says, my God will supply your needs. Again, background is important. So as we think about the book of Habakkuk, keep in mind that we have Abraham came on the scene, then Isaac, Jacob, and then we have Jacob who had 12 sons, and from those 12 sons came the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel ultimately ended up in Egypt. They left Egypt, ended up going to what is called the Promised Land. King Saul came on the scene as the first king, then King David. And after King David, we had Solomon. And under Solomon, the kingdom divided into what is called the southern kingdom, Judah, and the northern kingdom, Israel. The northern kingdom went into Assyrian captivity in 722 B.C. And 606 B.C., the Babylonian captivity for the southern kingdom started. Now, as we think about the book of Habakkuk, we're dealing with a covenant people. God made a covenant with Israel. Israel. And that was an unconditional covenant. Some of it was conditional when we get to the Mosaic law. But as you think about covenant and Habakkuk, we have to go back to, we won't turn there, but in Genesis, we find that God made a covenant with Abraham. That was an unconditional covenant. That was reaffirmed in Genesis chapter 15 reaffirmed again in Genesis chapter 17, and again being an unconditional covenant. We go over to Exodus chapter 3, we find that God is calling Moses, and this is in relation to the promise that was given to Abraham. In Exodus chapter 5, we find that the deliverance of Israel from Egypt begins. In Exodus chapter 19, we find, find the groundwork is being laid for what we call the Mosaic Covenant. And in Exodus 20, we find the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 32, we know that Israel had a golden calf. And God, again, after Moses broke the Ten Commandments, gives another set of Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 34. Habakkuk involves... God's covenant with Israel. The use of the name Lord is used quite often in chapter 1 and verse 2 of Habakkuk. How long, O Lord? Lord, Caps, Jehovah, Yahweh. We're dealing with the covenant name of God. In chapter 1 and verse 12, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? Again, the covenant name of God. In chapter 2 and verse 2, then the Lord responded. Again, the covenant name of God. <clears throat> As we read through Habakkuk and work through Habakkuk for a few weeks, we will find that there is injustice, there is wrong, implies that there had to be some type of standard for the nation of Israel. And that standard comes from what we call the Mosaic Law. So when Habakkuk says, How long, O Lord? Must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. What's he talking about? What's happening in the nation of Judah? But thinking about contrast to the Mosaic law. Habakkuk's prayer in chapter 3 recalls the history of the Lord working in Israel, in Judah, in order to fulfill his covenant. So covenant is written all over the book of Habakkuk, and that covenant involves, again, the Lord. Now, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. <clears throat> the minor prophets are not minor in the sense of being less important than Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or Daniel. But they're called minor primarily because of the amount of material. And I don't expect you to remember all this just for sake of illustration. When you think about the prophets, Jonah, Amos, and Hosea would have been involved in some way in relating to the northern kingdom, The southern kingdom would have included Joel, Isaiah, Micah, Zephaniah, Nahum, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Obadiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And what are these people doing? What are these prophets doing? They're pursuing God's chosen people who have parted from the Mosaic law and the covenant that would have would have involved Abraham. So when we're dealing with the time period of Habakkuk, I didn't slide that one over. We are dealing with a time period involving 606 BC, some before that, and some after that when Israel is going to be going into captivity. So Habakkuk is set against the backdrop of the decline and the fall of the southern kingdom of Israel. The northern kingdom, when we get to Habakkuk, is already in captivity. They have already been judged by God because of their not walking with God although nothing is known of the prophet Habakkuk himself other than what is in the book it's probably dated sometime before 606 B.C. when the Babylonian captivity for the southern kingdom developed and Habakkuk probably was living and observing from what we can find as we study history a period of prosperity, but also a period of decline because Habakkuk probably was around during the reign of King Josiah, according to 2 Kings 22 and 23. Josiah began his reign in 640 B.C. at the age of 8. He found the law. He brought reforms to Judah, but yet Judah still had to be judged because of their rebellion before that. Josiah died in battle in 609 B.C. And Habakkuk, again, would have probably seen the reforms of Josiah. But he has also seen the decline after Josiah where there is violence. There is a breaking of the law where strife abounds, where conflict abounds. Notice what he says in verse 4 of chapter 1. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so, so that justice is perverted. Habakkuk is struggling deeply. Prophecy is usually... The revelation given to a person who then proclaims the message to people. And many times, you know, the prophecy that is given is determined by what is happening within the nation. But Habakkuk is unique among the prophets because he does not speak for God to people, but rather spoke to God about people and about his nation. He's not speaking to Israel about their condition. He's speaking to God about Israel. And again, the book was preserved for our use. The type of literature the Habakkuk is, we could put it in the category of a lament or complaint. Do you ever do that? I was observing something within the last couple of days in a, Family setting. And the father said something. And one of the children complained to dad, you know, lamenting because of what has to be done. Habakkuk is lamenting to God. Psalm 10 is a lament. Psalm 13 is a lament. Psalm 22 is a lament. Psalm 74 is a lament. Psalm 80 is a lament. Psalm 88 is lament. So Habakkuk's prophecy is within the community of Israel and Judah where there was lament. We read briefly in verses 2 through 4 that Habakkuk is lamenting to God, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save, why do you make me look at injustice, why do you tolerate wrong, he's lamenting to God about the conditions in Judah, Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralysed and justice never prevails. The wicked hammer in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Then in verses 5 through 11, we find the Lord is responding. And basically he says, A nation that is more evil than you is going to judge and discipline Judah. So, what does he do in verse 12 of chapter 1? He laments again. O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O rock, you have ordained, ordained them to punish. Talking about the nation of Babylon, your eyes are too pure to look on evil, you cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Again, referring to the nation of Babylon. Now, he is coming back at God. He comes to God and he laments. God gives an answer and Habakkuk basically says, Whoa, God, how can you use Babylon to judge Judah? They're more wicked Than we are. God gives an answer in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, we find Habakkuk's prayer. And the book closes with Habakkuk's trust and confidence in God. So, why even consider a book like Habakkuk? You know, it's Old Testament, it was written many years ago. To grow in our understanding, the importance of background as we read and discuss Scripture. And as we read Scripture, it's not read in a vacuum. Habakkuk was given to a people at a point in time under unique circumstances. I think it has a lot for us today, but yet that has to be considered. I think also just to understand the mind and thinking and maybe the actions of the Lord to some extent. I'm not saying fully, but to some extent. How does God think? What's he like? Why does he respond the way he does? Apparently God chose to use Babylon to judge his people, Judah. And Habakkuk says, Lord, makes no sense. Do you ever think God didn't make or doesn't make sense? A third reason to be encouraged to rest in the grace of the Lord due to his pursuit of people and revealing himself. Habakkuk says in chapter 3 and verse 17, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. God, you're going to take a nation more evil than Judah and use them to judge Judah. And then you're going to turn around and judge that nation Babylon. And it doesn't look good for Judah. But I rest in your grace. Another reason for considering Habakkuk is to see the impact of the Lord established covenants with his people made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, ultimately being fulfilled in the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah. Covenant written all over Habakkuk. There's a covenant involved. If you think about us today, there's some covenant involved, but that is for another Sunday. Another reason to consider Habakkuk is to develop freedom in lamenting to God. Freedom in lamenting to God. Someone ever ask you how you're doing, and you say, Yeah, I'm not doing so good. I'm complaining to God. (laughs) You're complaining to God? You shouldn't do that. The psalmist did. Habakkuk did. Why can't I? Our lament today. How long, O Lord? Must I call for help, but you do not listen. Or cry out to you, I'm weary. Why do you tolerate sin? Political corruption is before us. Greed for money abounds in our country. The taking of thousands of innocent lives each week hurts us. We go to the doctor for help, but our pain continues long term. We long for our children to surrender to you, but they pursue their own lives. Our mates continue to be self centered, even though we love them with your style of love. We seek to be kind and gentle with other students, but they continue to make fun of our looks and our mental ability. Why don't you act, Lord? Lord, in the midst of our lament, we choose to rejoice in you and to be joyful in Christ. Yes, sovereign Lord, you are our strength, enabling us through Christ to go to great heights of resting in you in our struggle. We live in a messed up world. but we serve a risen Savior. There's freedom to lament. But after we lament, as a psalmist, as Habakkuk does, come back to God, we want to trust you, even though we can't understand you. We'll pick up with Habakkuk next week. But as we think about Scripture, we take, Time each week to read a portion of Scripture. And this morning, Aaron will be reading from Matthew chapter 16. I invite you to take your Bibles. <clears throat>